Hey everyone, this week we're rebroadcasting episode 167 with Robbie Jane from Boston College. John and I talked with him about the work he does, specifically on short form video and micro storytelling. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Jen and I will see you soon and happy October. I'm Logan Bishop from Belmont University. And I'm John Blankenship from Vanderbilt University. You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. each of you right now um, in terms of your location so I can picture it in my head. So John is on the south side of Nashville in a town called Franklin where all the rich people live. Mm. And I Except in, for us. <laughs> except for you. <laughs> That's the going joke is that Franklin is, where the, Franklin is where the riches are and they have gates yeah. and, um, and moats and drawbridges. Um, you know what, Logan? Honestly, I'm 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 not surprised that that's that's going to be the next level. Of some of these houses that are going up around here that that I drive by on the way to other places. And I live on the other side of town. You know, on yep. literally the other side of the railroad tracks, where mm. um, where everything is horse farms, and um, we don't have moats. We have horse farms. <laughs> so it's like another level of whatever's in Franklin. Um, but You're it's a uh, shiny. You guys are getting a shiny new development soon, though. Yes, we are, um, and a Publix, finally. There, there you go. That's what's important, you know. So shopping's a damn pleasure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that on the billboard. <laughs> well, there's there was a BuzzFeed shopping article. Is a damn pleasure. There was there was a there was a um, there was a. a a, uh, a BuzzFeed article that was obviously like probably sponsored by Publix, but it was all the reasons why um, Publix is uh, is uh, why shopping at Publix is a pleasure. <laughs> and I was just like, that's the best. And then I tweeted Publix and they responded back. Their social media is surprisingly responsive. No, is it? Um, oh yeah, you tweet at them. They they tweet back. Um, yeah, I've and, gone back and forth with them a couple times just with friendly pictures of the girls when they were little in the shopping carts, you know, because when you leave Publix, you actually leave in a better mood. There you go. That's another good tagline. <laughs> <laughs> we sound so bitter and jaded that we need a, that we need a, a grocery store trip to enjoy life. Uh, well, let me uh, say this. I mean, see, that's the thing is that, you know, I was talking with Lacey Pascal because um, there's a. Uh, she's a friend of the show, um, and I'm recording, by the way, just so you know. Um, All right, I'm already I already hit that because we were having a good conversation, and this just seemed like a, a great place. So, a bunch of people, a bunch of high ed web people are here for the um, Ruffalo Noel Levitt's um, enrollment conference. So I had dinner last night with uh, Matt Hertzberger, who's been on the show, um, uh, Lacey Pascal, who's been on the show, Tanya Oak Smith, who's been on the show. And Dave Olson, who has not been on the show. Um, and we had a nice little thing of Chewy's at Opry Mills. Um, and I don't know where I was going with this. You're throwing um, I, names in places that have me baffled. No, I know some of these people, but Chewy's. Name dropper. Yeah, name dropper. We, we, 
we had a really we had a really nice dinner and I was going somewhere with this and I completely lost it. I'm I'm like the cat meme. I'm furiously googling every name you drop like trying to see. <laughs> so I work I work with two of you that were at dinner last night yet received no invitation. Mm. Oh, it happened last minute on the Hyatt Web Skype. That's what they all say. I mean, not Skype. Um the what you call it the the thing that's not Skype that starts with an S and is a hashtag Slack. Mm. It was on Slack. 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 That old Slack. Slack yeah. yep. Yes, it happened on the Slack. And there you uh, go. Um, and it was very uh, last minute. Um, in that we didn't even decide where we were going until after work yesterday. Where's the um, conference being held? Opryland. <laughs> Did you say that? If you said that already, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It was it was at Opryland, and it's just funny because I was I, I'm laughing because we were at Chewy's, and you know I was looking at the prices. And I was like, you know, you could go, you could stay at Opryland, and you could instead of paying fourteen dollars for this burrito, you could pay forty seven. Mm. Yeah, true statement. Pretty much. There you go. Not sponsored by Opryland here. <laughs> you know those well, big fountains and giant malls aren't built on cheap tacos. Mm. Well, I don't know. The, the cheap tacos were at the mall. Robbie is, Robbie is thinking to himself right now, I, I don't know what these guys are talking about. <laughs> I have no idea. Burrito. We went from burritos to tacos. <laughs> Chimichangas next. Robbie, Robbie, tell us about you. What do you do and from where do you hail? I hail, I am in the, uh, the leafy environs of Milton, Massachusetts, which is where I live, uh, which is... Uh, uh, one could actually probably say a stone's throw from Boston. It's about a, about a half mile from the Boston border. Um, and I work in Boston, and I work at Boston College, which is a university, which is a bit confusing, the name <laughs> Boston College. Yes. Um, and I work now in the Office of University Communications, which is a relatively new entity of, say, three years ago and was the product of a merger or uh, coming together of two departments, one being marketing communications, and that's where I had been, and the other being the news and public affairs office. Mm -hmm. So now we've come together and uh uh and our you know all the uh, business buzzwords about synergy and uh collaboration and all that yep. kind of stuff uh trying to figure all that out um so um i've been at bc for oh i gotta do some math here 11 years now so um so yeah so three years so that was kind of a big shift to three years ago um and my primary well primary roles at uh with university communications um part of the team um that develops video content um i uh will uh try to spearhead multimedia content initiatives uh that's on a little more uh, uh organic maybe not as organized path um and then also i'm kind of the uh What's the analogy is uh, uh, somewhere between manager, air traffic controller, or, or crisis manager for the uh, email marketing uh, from the hmm. production end of that. So, um, so that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the love hate relationship because uh, um, 
it's such a key part of what so many of the different schools do in terms of how they connect content with their audiences. Um, but it's, uh, it, we, it's, it's like we were making handcrafted cocktails, which I wouldn't mind a handcrafted cocktail right now, but, um, agree, agree, agree. We were, we were doing these very, um, um, custom emails, um, and a lot of hours. And then when you actually look at the numbers and you see the, uh, you know, just typical for the industry of, of, you know, your, your 2%, 3%, whatever it is that people are actually opening these things or reading these things. Um, uh, it's just, it's, you start wondering about the, the return on the, the time, uh, and effort investment. So we're actually in process of kind of streamlining that. So that's kind of been interesting because a little more strategic about, and that's been part of the kind of restructuring with certain, uh, got a guy on my team who's leaving, who was kind of primarily, uh, uh, doing a lot of the email stuff and video stuff. Now that mm -hmm. positions being converted to just video, but kind of more other kind of video stuff. So we're looking at different solutions on how to, um, make this email creation process a little more straightforward. Um, Do you know what I hate? What's that? I hate email, and oh. and I don't mean that. I don't mean that about checking it. I mean about yeah. making HTML emails. I hate yeah, it. Yeah. I hate it. I hate Outlook. Outlook ruins everything. It yeah. ruins literally everything. So I, this is right in our wheelhouse at Vanderbilt too. So we've kind of adopted the hashtag embrace the suck when it comes yeah. to outlook emails so uh, well, that, that that helped us a lot in <laughs> dealing with outlook so you know you when you do all the testing and you you check on all these you know email clients and you know yep. things things are breaking on this one and so that's with a handcrafted cocktail we you know have our developers kind of doing all these crazy hacks to have things work and all these things so we're kind of getting out of that game but also i have such a low bar as a consumer of email like if i get an email from the gap and like something's like misaligned i'm not going to be like that's it i'm never shopping at the gap again it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I always tell people speak like, for oh. yourself man speak for yourself <laughs> but that's why there's always a like having trouble view this online it's like that's your safety net like true unless unless it's something you know i i think more of the uh, uh the bigger fails in terms of email that i've seen are more from uh, uh strategic or marketing like i still remember uh when was it 2004 when that you know the huge uh, uh earthquake and tsunamis that were like you know wiping out like you know, whole villages and killing like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and everything was in the news about like Sumatra devastation, all this stuff. And then like, I got an email from Starbucks. It's like, fancy Sumatra. Oh like, gosh. No, no. It's just like, so yeah. like that's, that's the bigger fail that, you know, they obviously had some sort of email schedule then, you know, it's a, you know, this would be like a, a business case, a classic business case on how to, you know, avoid those kind of things. But those are the kind of things, you know, I'm talking about that now, you know, 13, I, I feel 15 like years I, later. I just feel like Gmail is just messing with us because they, they, their things, if you make it to them, it doesn't work on Outlook. And if you, right, if right, you make it right. towards Outlook, it doesn't work on Gmail. And I, part of it is Microsoft thinking that it was a great idea to use Microsoft Word as a rendering engine. That's, right, right. I mean, that's how I want to browse the web is with Microsoft Word. Um, 
Ask, ASCII text. That's what I say. That's the kind of email. But see, that's what they're get. saying now. HTML yeah. emails. Like, just send an email. I mean, maybe just, put a header at the top. But that's it. Yeah. Just send yeah. them an email. Well, and, that, and that's kind of where we're going with not just functionally how we're building these, but also, um, you know, we have we have a full art department in our uh, in our group. So our art director has been kind of pushing for that, saying, okay, you, schools all want their different emails, but they're going to be your, you know, different word mark, your different header. But then it's just kind of like, here's a letter or here's a headshot and a message and, and really kind of simplify these things. Um, you know, if I get something, if I get an email and it's like a huge newsletter or something, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't have time for this. And maybe mm -hmm. I'll say, Maybe I'll read this later, but really I'm saying I'm not going to read this ever. So I'll be honest, um, the only newsletter I read is from BuzzFeed. Um, yeah. And it's been a while since I read it, but it's the, the um, it comes every Friday. Um, it's the cat of the week. Um, there you go. Because, I mean, I don't think I've even gotten it for a while. I'm actually kind of sad. I, I don't remember seeing it in my inbox for a while. I'm kind of sad now. You're going to start looking for it. Yeah, I'm actually in my email. I'm searching. I'm making. <laughs> because what it does is it tells you all the cats that have made news this week. It's important. <laughs> it is important. It's incredibly important. Um, We're it, lucky. We have. There um... it is. This week in cats. The last one that I got was. I, I have. Maybe I just haven't looked this deeply, but you know, this week's cat is Ruby. Oh, she's a little black cat. She's going meow. Um. Yeah, it's it's a good one. There's one for dogs too, I'm sure. So I was a lifelong hater of cats until about a year and a half ago, when we uh, we redid our kitchen and everything was great. And then we discovered we're you know mice were getting into like where we put the snacks for the kids and all this kind of stuff. So our brand new kitchen and all this you know having mice. So then I was like, maybe we got to get a cat. It's fine, we'll get it. And we got this cat and. This cat loves me, and I love this cat with like all my heart. Like, uh, that's so how now it I'm works. Off. That's how it works. So now I'd be all five. over this cat email. And then there's five of them. Um, well, we'll see about that. No, he's uh, he's very say. dog. And then he's... and then this cute little kitten. You're gonna no, see no, it, no, and no. you're like, you know, I could, I could, I could do another one. He's very dog-like, you know. I'll put on like a vinyl record and listen to music, and he comes up and just kind of sits next to me, and I'm like, okay. He's not complaining that I'm playing music. He just wants to hang out. Very nice. So, what kind of vinyl record are you putting on? Uh, he seems to like very uh, uh, strong bass. So the uh, first time I noticed, I was putting on some uh, some vintage McCartney, and uh, all right, he was, he was liking the bass lines. All right, wow. we have a we have a, a vinyl file on the line. Oh, oh yes, same. You know, one of, one of my favorite things to do uh, when I've got a seven year old and a soon to be four year old, and a couple of years ago, we would go up into the bonus room after work uh, before everything got so busy after uh, work and school and pop on a record. You know, it was uh, it was good times. It is, yeah. I got back in like. Uh, you know what got me down the rabbit hole was because I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago was the um, remember when the, the the Beach Boys put out the big smile box set yeah and it mm -hmm. was all so it was like all like you know it's like five CDs of all like and it was like all the you know every take you know one CD all of like good vibration takes mm -hmm. all, and you could go through and see how smile and so I was reading about this and there was like included in the boxes like you know the sequenced album 
on vinyl and two seven inch. And I was like, who's playing vinyl? Like this was, you know, 2011. And so I started reading up on the, and it, it, it really was like, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, falling into the looking glass and just started learning about all this stuff and being like, Oh my God, I got to get a turntable. Oh my God, I got to pick this up. And then, and then, yeah. So now, and, and then of course we had little kids. So I would have, I would have maybe the opportunity to listen to like one record every month yeah, <laughs> while exactly. I was, while I was, you know, going on eBay and going to yard sales and buying, you know, crates of records and like, okay. So finally I kind of stopped. Cause I was like, I think I've got a few years of listening, uh, in my, in my living room right now. That's kind of the point that I got to. I'm still building the collection, but it's a lot slower now than it was a few years ago. I think I got back in a couple of years after you, like 13 or 14. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, I, forget, a, I had a record collection when I was young. Right, exactly. With the CDs, but now yep. back to vinyl and... You know, it's uh, it, it's a fun hobby. Lots of lots of good folks. It know. is fun, and what I tell people is like when I when I listen, when I do find the time, and I put on a record, I'm actually listening to it. It's not like, you know, and I you know I'll listen to Spotify when I'm you know driving around and stuff like that, or in the kitchen. But like to actually like listen and kind of feel the music, I feel yep. like I I only get that in the vinyl experience. So I think um, that's what keeps people coming back to vinyl and what and what draws people in especially if you're if you're still a fan of and i think most vinyl fans are still a fan of album rock yeah you know which is um it's a i don't want to say disappearing but you see less and less of it you know yeah there's still some there's still some people out there putting out you know more than singles an entire body of work but and also, like, you know, they've got a good synergy going with digital media. You know, now you can get everything in Spotify. But even a few years back, you'd, like, get the MP3 codes or then Amazon started. You're buying an album and automatically it downloads. I was like, this is great. This is how it should work. Like, I've got the physical media, but I can also, like, listen in the car. and all Exactly. That. Like, exactly. these guys, like, people actually figured out how to, you know, these things should complement each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah just like your... just like HTML email should. That's right. No, no, video. it's fine. Like, Robbie <laughs> brings I'll, us I'm home. Gonna admit, <laughs> I'm gonna admit, like you know, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I don't have a turntable, and I feel like that's some kind of travesty, and I think that's why mm. I don't invite people over to my house. Mm. Um, <laughs> have you heard of Craigslist? Because, because I feel like I feel like I would be mocked and shamed um, for not having one for not having one i mean yeah. i already don't wear enough plaid uh yeah. and you know i don't i don't listen i listen to i listen i listen to my amazon echoes and i think that's yeah. okay um and that's probably not what most ought see being an audiophile is like one of those things in nashville like um and you know john gets it um obviously uh and i've been to kids birthday parties where um where the parents are standing around a turntable discussing mm -hmm. the vinyl mm -hmm. record that they are listening to and yeah, yeah. i just stand in the corner and awkwardly drink my beer <laughs> and you know that's that's a thing it really is. i say you do you if you if you want to get into it you'll find plenty of enthusiasm and support but i don't think it's uh I don't think anyone's uh, saying this is. Uh, uh, it's it's you're lesser off if you're not doing it. Like like I think it's pretty, like mu music is music and I love seeing music live. I think it's great. Like 
that I can like uh, go on Spotify and pull up some like obscure King Crimson album and listen to it. Uh, so like I think the whole digitalization is working great, but then I've got this physical media, which which mm-hmm. uh, when I find the time is very rewarding. But it's not like you know before I had that physical media, it's not like I wasn't listening to music or enjoying music. So so don't worry, it... Logan. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, but let's I be let's it. be totally it's... honest. Let's be totally honest. You can pull up, you can pull up uh, Neil Diamond. You can pull him up and you can play him on Spotify, and yeah. he sounds fine. And then you. You put you put you know, um, Sweet Caroline on yeah. vinyl and you play it and it's different. It is totally different, and it's a different experience. Yeah. And it's a different you know, experience. It is. Yeah, yeah. You know, Logan, I'll, you know, part of the reason I, I, that part of, I think most of the reason probably um, it's it was an escape from digital for me. You know, living yeah. in that digital world, which is pretty much where I've lived since about '04. Um, coming from radio and then to TV and then to a higher ed and, you know, really kind of living through everything going from, you know, CDs um, and cassettes to some length, yeah. moving over to everything digital. I think it was nice to, to get away from the computer and, right. you know, you know, I, I wanted something to hold in my hand and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that it sounds warmer to me. So, you know, Logan, I, I know you that you, you put together Legos. Uh, yes. You do a lot of things like that. That you know, so it's kind of you know, that's away from that digital realm that we spend so much time in. So that's kind of what it became for me, as much as anything. The, the, the thing, right? I'd say the thing for me is like once you kind of get like like the ears prick up and like wait, you know, people are into vinyl again, like, and you start getting just like a you're not halfway decent, like three quarter decent system together, and then you get that record that's really pressed well and you 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 put it on and there's just this moment of like holy cow like 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 that to me like i think it was there was a uh, uh right around the time i got back into it they did the uh, 45 rpm pressing of rumors by fleetwood mac oh yes so, so it's an album that you know you know i know very well but then i put it on and it's like you know the, like the drums are right there like stevie nicks sounds like she's right in my living room and like mm-hmm. like that's where like a really well because there's some records that are real crappy you know you can look at them you can just see they look crappy but there's ones that just really well pressed well mastered um and you you play it on a on a pretty good system and it's like that's where it's like wow this is a this really is a different experience so so and then once you taste that then you start chasing that and then you go down the rabbit hole like with the beatles stuff about all the okay looking at matrix numbers and what are the different pressings and you get this like and that's just crazy. It, you know, it is a rabbit hole. That's a good way. Yeah, to it, it. it really, it really is. And that's when you start realizing you've got like you know six pressings of all this other stuff. But then you can also like you can buy the hundred dollar. You know, you're on eBay chasing some you know Beatles pressing for a hundred bucks. But then you go. I went to Salvation Army near uh, um, my in-laws, uh, and uh, they had all records fifty percent off. So instead of a dollar, they were fifty cents. And I found this whole slew of Herb Alpert albums that are like pristine, and I love Herb Alpert. So it's like, so it's like it's great. It's like it's the it's Sounds the it's, it's the discovery of finding these things. But then if you really have that white whale, and you can you know justify with your personal budget of like, okay, I'm gonna get this. See, that's that really sounds dangerous. That's, it just sounds dangerous to me. The, it does. And then the you chase. These, the chase is a big part of the game. The chase is a big part of the game, but then also you've just got new. 
new albums will come out and you know some people are like oh my god you know twenty dollars for a record it's like okay i punch in the old like inflation calculator and look at what that was Didn't we and, used like, to pay 24.99 for cds well no you am i crazy like, like i'm pretty uh, sure i paid that in the 90s for cds uh you were going the wrong place probably Maybe I'm, thinking of two disc, I think. maybe I'm thinking of two disc sets. Twelve ninety nine probably sounds better. So yeah. I'm gonna go. Let's say we're. I'm on the inflation calculator right now. Uh, I purchased this in 2019, and let's say I was buying records back in like 1983. Uh, Twenty dollars would be seven seventy eight, eight dollars, which is kind of like yeah, records were like you know nine, ten dollars. So it's like they're not more expensive now, and they're. Yeah pressed beautifully and so yeah so there you go vinyl yeah. records <laughs> well there's one there's one thing that i wanted to ask you about and um, yeah you're doing a talk coming up for inbound 19 i am hashtag all caps inbound one nine there you go following now yeah um <laughs> so what's it about um i know it's about storytelling but i wanted to let you you know kind of tell us about it yeah, so it's about um, bite-sized storytelling. You would think I would know actually my uh, session title. I know bite-sized is in there, right? Right. Um, uh, build your audience with bite-sized storytelling. So this is a lot of what um, this is kind of what I started preaching as soon as I came to uh, Boston College. Um, uh, one of the first uh, kind of uh, signature products I, I kind of uh, unearthed or and I say unearthed because I feel like you know with these when you have a creative idea it's not so much that you make it you kind of it's it's like in the ether you discover it you know same way like a good song like it's it's there but like you're the one who finds it um, so I had this idea um, at Boston College I was just looking and I was new to higher ed so I'd come from uh, I'd come from I was working at WGBH uh, educational foundation. Uh, I was working for a PBS series called American Experience, which is a great series. American oh, wow. Industry yeah. series. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was a great job because I was like the in between the people making the films and then the digital team building the websites. So it was all about how can we leverage, you know, this kind of linear based content in kind of fun, interactive ways. We're making games and uh, building, you know, all sorts of uh, multimedia experiences. And then the kind of mission for what the the online presence was was changing and so kind of was was the right time to kind of look for other opportunities so came came to boston college and then kind of when i looked around i saw the kind of videos that uh you know bc was doing other schools were doing is a lot of these it was you know end of 2008 2009 a lot of these like nine minute long videos have you know interviews all this kind of stuff really really um at that time just seemed like uh, these things are kind of dragging so I, I pitched this idea of of uh one minute long videos so i said we called the bc minute boston college minute i said these are going to be these kind of fly on the wall i said you're not gonna i don't want the lower thirds and the talking head i said i want these kind of very documentary style very immersive like you are there and just tell a story and don't try to do too much and i and i gave the analogy it's going to come back to the vinyl records I gave the analogy of think of them, uh, each of these is like a thread and we're building a tapestry. 
little Carol, little Carol King for you. Very uh, nice. And so through all these different threads, if you if you imbibe a few of these episodes, you would start to then get a sense of what the what the character and the sensibilities and the the mission of the university was. And so at that time, what was interesting were people the pushback I got. People were like, oh, you can't you can't do a story in one minute. That's too short. Whereas now, like a minute's too long sometimes. You know, you got these you know twenty five second videos, things like that. Um, but that was the first real like exploration of okay, let's 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 find a way to tell a tell a short story, um, and and so that's kind of like a kind of mining that concept, um, uh, and, and it's you know I didn't uh, originate this concept. You know, there's a lot of people kind of looking at this notion. But what I'll be speaking about at Inbound is is how do you you've got some message you've got some story how can you break it down into smaller elements and and the thing that i wasn't even thinking about with the bc minute was things like social media and one of the benefits now of this um uh you know unification this merger that's happened is the social media group that was in a whole nother office now we're all together so you can think of ways and it was crazy before that it was like we were you know i'd make these bc minutes but then like no one would see them because you know you know, you'd have to kind of build up your partnerships to be like, hey, maybe you can put this on the Facebook page or something like that. Um, but all this notion of taking something like you've got something and breaking up into smaller parts and then you're doling these out, you're releasing these tie in very well to, OK, how do you, you know, how do you engage an audience? How do you keep an audience? How do you build an audience? How do you, you know, and all those things that all those people out there, all the experts in, in uh, uh you know, social media strategy and cultivating and nurturing an audience, uh, it totally aligns with that. But I wasn't even thinking of that back then. I was just thinking like, okay, let's not, let's not get overwhelmed by a big story. Let's just give people something like a little taste. Uh, and so, you know, it's like 10 years later and I'm still kind of still riffing on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, 10 years a, later. It's a good, I mean, it's a good strategy. Content marketing is just one of those tough things that you know, I, not to bring it back to email marketing, but I mean, that's kind of where it, you know, that's where the bite-sized story starts or started right, exactly. back in the day. Yeah, um, yeah. And with, with a good email newsletter about stuff you care about, like, like Cass. Uh, I yep. actually learned this in an AMA um, Nashville meeting. I think you may have been there, John. I don't remember, but um, we were, uh, we went to an AMA Nashville meeting and, uh, that's where um, they were talking about BuzzFeed and how BuzzFeed tells stories, um, especially through newsletters, a lot. Um, yep. And and that's when, you know, it's like, does anyone, you know, they even have one for cats. Does anyone <clears throat> sign up for the one for cats? And I was the only one that raised my hand and that was awkward. Um, <laughs> I got called out for that one. Um, but especially for admitting to it. But but in any case, like, you know, the the... the storytelling is there's so many different ways to do it video mm. um, i mean your instagram story is a great way to do it too yeah. um not to be you know what's the uh you know because it's a story in instagram stories but you know tiktok is becoming a thing now of, yeah, a, of, a, yeah. of a way to tell bite-sized little stories though they're it really, really it really is i hear more yeah. i hear that more and more and, well, and, and that's TikTok, something I need to look at, and I uh, I, I teach over at Northeastern a digital media course and in, in a graduate program, and it, and it was through some of my students there that they mentioned TikTok, and I was like, what is TikTok? You know, well, typical well, out of touch professor, what is this thing? Um, well, I know Josie Alquist <laughs> just put out uh, 
just put out a thing today, I think. Um, she's a friend of the show, part of the ConnectEDU network. She's got her own show. Um, but, I got to Google. Um, yeah. She she put one out. She talked to Ryan uh, Morjon, who was uh, who was on the show the, uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, um, back, yeah. Because yeah, Florida's doing some great stuff with TikTok. Um, you just ha- I-, I have my own misgivings about TikTok that it's just um, – it's not that there isn't cool stuff on TikTok. It's just that what TikTok gives me isn't what I want to see necessarily. Right, um, right. But, you know what, uh, I, what I loved was Vine. I was a big Vine uh, aficionado um, back in the day. Um, well, and TikTok's just the note- where all the Vine people went. I guess yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, but vine for me was really, uh, was a nice tool with the course I was teaching. Cause I was teaching a time-based media class. So it was kind of like a, a, a overview of, of all sorts of, you know, video, audio, multimedia, anything, anything basically living on a timeline, uh, or having a timeline at its, at its core. And prior to vine, I would start show my students, we'd start going through with like iMovie or final cut pro and like suddenly the class would get mired into like transforming into this like Final Cut Pro class. And I was like, no, it can't be like. And so like we'd end up spending instead of like one week talking about video production, it would be like three weeks. And then everything was getting pushed aside. And so then Vine came out and like in one like great like kind of hands on way, I could show people how to just do these quick, you know, real fundamental edited videos, but so simple. And so I love that. And so then, and that tied in then with, you know, class got back on track and all that kind of stuff. But I really, I really enjoyed Vine as kind of like a, a video sketching tool. So, so yeah, I haven't used TikTok. I'm, I'm intrigued by it, but, um, you know, going back to the, the kind of inbound talk, a lot of it's just, um, you know, I think I was thinking about it as I was kind of reviewing my preliminary slide deck and a lot of it comes back to like the first programming class i took in undergrad structured Hmm. programming and this notion of of taking a huge problem and breaking it down into like medium-sized problems and breaking those down into smaller problems and breaking them down to these very simple programming problems very easy to code and like and i found it like uh like so uh uh like such a great philosophy and i was telling all these like friends of mine who like had no interest in like computer programming or anything. I was like, everyone should take a programming class because it's just a great approach to life. So like, instead of like just being overwhelmed by this, Oh my God, how am I going to do this? Okay. Just break it down into pieces and then break those pieces down. And that's kind of, I think, you know, that still ties into this notion of, of storytelling because you're not necessarily reducing the story just to that one element. You know, you can offer different perspectives. So you can do a, you know, series. So a lot of it is about the episodic. So the episodic can be like, okay, here's the beginning, and then the story progresses, here's the middle. But the, that's one approach, you know, your kind of typical linear episodic uh, story. Or you could just have, here's a bunch of different perspectives. Um, and that's one of, the, one of the things I'll be talking about and showing. Um, I think we did at BC was, uh, so there's this thing in higher ed when, like, students come in, the freshmen come in, where we always said, okay, we can't, you can't talk to the students yet until, like, uh, parents weekend, you know, uh, uh, end of September, like let them get their feet wet, let them like kind of get in the groove. And I thought like, are, are we missing an opportunity there? Is there something in those first couple weeks, you know, when these, these teenagers are, are transforming from like high schoolers to like college students, like, are we missing, like, is the, are there stories there? And so it kind of pitched this idea of let's go around, find these 
find these students on like their first day of school or first day of classes and like no fancy editing, just grab them and just kind of get their take on different perspectives of what their life is like. So we shot a bunch, shot like 12 or 13 and then nine of them made the cut. Uh, and we called it fresh takes and they're, you know, some were 20 seconds, some were 30 seconds long. And in that case, instead of kind of doling them out one by one, I said, let's drop them like Netflix style and just, you know, kind of put them all there. And then again, work with the social media to figure out, okay, I've, we've dropped all these episodes. Now you can figure out what's the best way from your strategy to, to kind of build an audience and, and dole those out. But, um, how you know, did you dole them out? Um, I'm going to confer with my social media. Uh, I think what, so one of the, no, one of the things we did actually with that, I, I can tell you this, because uh, uh, this was actually a, uh, the textbook example of, of positive collaboration is I actually worked with this uh, colleague who, who since left, uh, but we put together an Instagram story and I'd never done that. And one of the things she said was like, you know, instead of like, you know, you can do video, but like people really respond to like stills and so, so the uh, concept with the fresh takes are they have these kind of beauty B-roll shots that are very detailed that open and close each one. So there's one where like it's a, a, a stairway, a outdoor staircase, there's a little railing, so feet going down. So that's kind of an opening shot. And then there's a kid standing there and he talks about his perspectives. And then there's kind of a detailed shot of kind of feet moving across the crosswalk. Um, so for the Instagram store, we kind of kept that element, the little video pieces, but then took just uh, still frames from the videos and then had these graphic pull quotes. Uh, hmm. And then in one Instagram story had like three, three kind of uh, uh, students, you know, each with a pull quote and then closed with the little video, the outro video feet crossing and then the little call to action of swipe to, you know, see the full batch and then it would take you to the web page. And that to me was like, like an eye opening experience. Cause I was like, okay, this is a very different delivery platform. I'm no expert on this. I'm learning stuff. I'm working with someone here. This, it's the end result. This Instagram story is very different from something I would have done. You know, it's a vertical format, all this kind of stuff. But like, it's serving a greater purpose because it's like the whole, you know, the ecosystem, the digital ecosystem at play. Um, so that's kind of like a nice, like that's when that's one of those cases where like, okay, yeah, everything's working here. <laughs> like it, it actually worked. Um, because you're getting, you know, you're, you're tapping into that uh, audience on Instagram. And then it's all coming back to me. We did, I, I built a version on for Facebook that was not just one, but again, was three of them, but just like a, a, an edit with three together. So, yeah, so there were a couple of different flavors. So that's another concept I'll kind of talk about is that, that like moving away from this notion of like it's the one video, this kind of, you know, what I call kind of liquid video that, you know, you kind of flow, you to fit, you fit your audience and your platform, mm -hmm. uh, uh, malleable content that way. Um, so it's, it's, I think it'll be fun. I, I, uh, oh, it sounds it's, really interesting. I wish I could watch it. Uh, that, uh, that was, that was my next question was how can we see it? Uh, I do think it's actually going to be videotaped because, uh, so I was talking about the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the cat meme, you know, the cat pounding away at the keyboard, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. We've all seen that, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and I use and it. I always, I always make reference to that because, uh, so, um, I had never, I'd never gone to inbound until last year when I, uh, I kind of snuck in through uh, someone else's pass uh, who wasn't going, and uh, through a 
let's say, a close person to me. She said, oh, someone on my team uh, is not going. You want to go. So I went in, went to inbound. It was a lot of fun. Um, went to a couple sessions. So I thought, oh, this is kind of, you know, it was a, it was a little more, uh, the breakout sessions were a little more intimate than I thought. I'm always hearing about, like, the big stage and, like, I don't know, Michelle Obama or, so, you know, these big, like, A-list celebrities. But I was kind of intrigued by these kind of small breakout sessions. I went to one on, like, uh, a podcasting, and it was great. The guy had everyone kind of coming up and, like, saying their favorite ice cream or something into a mic, and we put together a little episode. It's like, totally, like, right in my wheelhouse. I was like, this is fun. People are hands-on learning happening. So then a uh, uh, flash for a few months later, and then a friend was like, oh, you know, I post on Facebook, you know, applications, uh, uh, the speaker applications for inbound. And so I put in my calendar, and of course, it's like midnight that day, and like, you know, trying to get three kids to sleep, all that kind of stuff. So I got them to sleep, and then I'm the, you know, the cat on the keyboard. So I'm like, you know, bite-sized storytelling. So I'm putting together this proposal. And then at the bottom, it said, uh, are you interested in becoming an inbound inbound fellow it's the first time we're doing this are you passionate about it so i have a you know cat meme and i'm like yes you know first time i went there is great community you had this great you know the big stage the big kind of celebrity inspiring stories but then also these kind of hands-on experiences these these uh learning modules and these breakout sessions blah 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 and so i kind of put all that kind of stuff so then a couple months later i got the notification like hey your proposal's been accepted bite-sized storytelling you speak it inbound it's like oh this is great then like a week later i get the notification like you are one of the first of the inbound fellows class so there's like 10 of us it's like the you know the wonka golden ticket um that have all you know all these and we do we have a golden ticket we find, we have a, a ticket to inbound for the rest of time <laughs> wow uh, and also one of the perks is that they will uh, they are going to videotape my session this is what not is this is not short form storytelling i'm doing very long form storytelling where I'm, I'm bringing it back talking <laughs> about the question about how can we see this so the uh the circuitous way to get us to the point that because of this status as an inbound fellow, I believe they will be videotaping my session. Uh, and, um, and then I will be, uh, uh, most of my kind of, um, kind of, uh, professional blathering is, is via Twitter, uh, and more LinkedIn lately. Um, so not as much, although Logan, I know you found you, you contacted me on Facebook. <laughs> um, I have I have this love hate relationship with Facebook where I stay away for like weeks and then I'll go back and kind of. Don't we up. all have that relationship yeah, with Facebook yeah, so. at this point? Yeah. So no, because um, I do social media, so I can't. I yeah, too, and, I, and I still have the relationship with Facebook. But like you know, like Twitter, Twitter for me is like kind of talking about like this kind of like you know what I'm doing, not just the higher ed stuff, but the teaching stuff. But it's also got a bit of music stuff in there. Uh, and it's just kind of that. So that's, you know, and then if it's something like a talk that I'm giving or like, a, here's a video, then I'll probably share that via LinkedIn as well. So, um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the thing that's exciting about inbound is that it's not just a higher ed audience. And that's, you need to think about your approach a little differently. I've found. Um, and also then you just get these great, you know, if it's whether it's a Q&A, like formal questions or just interactions you have with people, you just get these different perspectives. Um, and I think that's true in any, you know, any industry that you're in, it's great to kind of break out of that and just kind of see like, oh, how are people doing this? You know, 
oh, okay, you're going through the same kind of crap we got to go through, or, oh, I didn't think of that, or, you know, so so that's what I'm really looking forward to is just kind of having that, that kind of broader set of perspectives uh, from the people that I, I hope to uh, to talk with uh, after my session. It's, refre- it's refreshing, right? It is. Um, I find that those interactions like that, you know, not that I'm not already excited about what all of us do, but mm-hmm. I, I really just feel, you know, more excited about it after you talk to your colleagues. Yeah. It well, does. and 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 then when you get like, when you get these kind of interactions with people that kind of aren't doing what you're doing in terms, you know, in our case, higher ed, mm-hmm. like that's like, yeah, that's really exciting. And and uh, I, I did a talk at the the main confab. Um, out in Minneapolis this past spring. So I've done a lot of like the confab higher ed and kind of like, you know, got good groove and it's, you know, it's almost like a comfort zone where I can, you know, one of the things I talk about with higher ed is like the whole groundhog day experience, how it's great. Like try something, like try something wacky with commencement. If it doesn't work out, guess what? Commencement's happening again next year and you can try it again, you know, try something different. Like, like, like to me, that kind of repetitive nature of higher ed is like a great opportunity. So like, that's something I'm always talking about with like higher ed audiences. So then at the confab uh, in spring, it was, you know, all kinds of industries. And I had to really kind of change my approach, kind of talking more kind of storytelling and in, in, in broader strokes or different perspectives. And then like the first question, someone was like, oh, this, you know, this is really great. This is really applicable you know i'm 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 with fidelity and we're trying to market these things and i was like yes like it's working (laughs) i'm connecting with people outside of higher ed like and you know she had they were trying to do something and tell some sort of story and it wasn't working and you know uh, bouncing around ideas about different approaches to take and i thought okay this is great this is like not just you know sometimes it's hard to know if like yeah everything's working in my little bubble but you know, what about the world outside of that? Is, uh, you know, is it, uh, are the rules the same or, or how are the rules different, I guess? So, um, yeah. so that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to, I think, with Inbound. Awesome. Well, we're, we're kind of coming to the end of the show here and what, we're just um, getting started. Come oh, on. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's no breaks. There's no, there's not really, we're not up against a break, you know, isn't this like, this is like the, this is like the white album. It's a double album. Come on. <laughs> We've had a double episode before, but we don't want to, this is the stairway to heaven of podcast episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, this is a lot of fun. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed. Um, but there's there's one last question we got for you. And that's yeah. um, there's lots of people on that listen to the show that work from lots of different places in higher ed. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think they should know about what people like you do at their institutions? Like, what's the most important thing? You know, I would say um, so. I I had the opportunity to to take part in a uh, uh, kind of year long. Um, kind of leadership training program at Boston College, uh, university mm-hmm. affiliate university affiliates program. So it's a, a, uh, it was a group of us, and it was great because every month, like diff- all these different, um, you know, senior senior leadership individuals would come in and kind of give presentations, and we'd have these great conversations. Uh, uh, and there was one gentleman who was with, um, he's with Mission and Ministry, and totally had this uh, I, I connected with him because he was saying like he knew nothing about like came to boston college 
thought he'd be there not for long didn't know much about like what you know the jesuits do and the jesuits i was like yes i had no idea like any of this kind of stuff and and one thing he said was just this notion of being a a citizen of the university and he was like you know just get out there like hit the pavement like just meet people like like have coffee with people and and like it's just this notion of like it's it's a little city you know and there's all these little you know enclaves and 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 it's so easy to to just and all of us we've got a gazillion things to do and just put your head down and get done what you have to get done but like getting out of that comfort zone and just you know for me it's like walking across campus and like and and it happens and you meet up with people you make connections and like that to me is like been the biggest uh revelation i'd say with with kind of high ed experience uh and that's what i would say to people just kind of you know make and make the connections for the sake of making connections um there was a uh, uh they had a pro they have a program you know one of these uh uh meet your colleagues and it's a free lunch you know that's always a way to get people in there and so there was a gentleman <laughs> there was a gentleman who was like the head of the uh, cybersecurity program so this was out of the woods college at bc um and so they started doing this cybersecurity conference. They had, uh, I think the first year they did it, uh, James Comey, when he was still the director of the FBI, he was the keynote speaker. And then he got fired like a week later. Um, so then they had uh, Christopher Ray the next year, the uh, FBI director. He did not get fired. So yeah. it wasn't the conference that got James Comey fired. Um, but so I went to this, <laughs> this lunch and learn and then, you know, asked him a couple questions, a very intimate setting, you know, real friendly guy, followed up with an email saying, hey, that was great, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, just that was great. And then months later, when it came time for the next cybersecurity, it came up in a planning meeting, like, oh, you know, very last minute, oh, wait, maybe we can throw together like a little video and we can do something like this and we can put it out on Facebook and all. And like, I was like, wait a minute, I know, I, I know the director of the, the program, like, and like right away I had that connection. And like that to me was like, OK, this is like you start seeing the benefits of just kind of, you know, getting to know not just the people, but just kind of what the lifeblood is of the institution. Um, so that's kind of my, you know, it's, it's it's like the beat reporter. It's just kind of getting out there. And, and the, the, the and it's key to not do it like just virtually. It's like you got to get out for the, the sights, the sounds, the smells. Uh, not, not. I'm not implying it's a smelly institution at all. They're good smells. <laughs> there's, there's smells of like cookies and flowers and things like that. Um, well, I think one of the biggest but, problems we we battle um, within ourselves is that we're connected to each other via Slack. We're connected to each other right. via text message. We're connected to each other via via email, obviously. Um, but that is no substitute for sitting down and talking with someone. And yeah, you're going to feel yeah. better about your job. You're going to feel better yeah. about your place at the university. If you just get your butt out of your office yeah. and just have coffee with somebody and yeah. talk shop, you're going to feel I, better. I you know, we toss it, we, it really is. And, and we toss that around like it's a, it's an easy thing to do. And in practice it is, but getting into that habit, you know, is, you know, not that easy for a lot of people. You get stuck in your routine. Yep. yep. You go. You, you're sitting at your desk. You're being productive, and you yep, don't. Yep. You don't even think about it. I'm. I am guilty of that. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's something like it's. It's a. It's a good charge for all of us to kind of embrace of this kind. Of, you know, the the 
be pursuing that art of conversation um, and just getting out there. And, you know, that's also the benefit of like when you go to a conference, because obviously you're seeing people face to face, but then you come back and you're thinking like, okay, I don't just have to go to a conference to like have a conversation with a human. Like, right, you can start a right. podcast. <laughs> right, um, exactly. <laughs> which is what um, I did with Jackie. Yeah, so, but it's also like, you know, and, and these other things are, are fine. And, you know, I'm talking with you two guys and this is great. But so it's not like I want to like expunge all kind of uh, digital communications. But I, I, I think we just need to be aware of like it's we shouldn't just erase human contact like like it's all it's all about human contact i'm gonna go here's what i'm gonna do my inbound session i'm gonna try to touch every attendee and they will never invite me back to inbound again <laughs> but you're but to... you're a fellow already they can't take that away from it's you it's true it's true you'll but, be that uh, story remember that one guy that we had one guy yeah i have some that you know here's the thing on my little my little tease for inbound they said i really they sent some message out about really like the audience that they, they're hungry for like not shenanigans, but that was basically it. Like they want, like they they want something different. They don't just want you up there presenting. So I, I they want literally fresh I'm, blood. I'm, no, I'm cooking up some ideas that actually involve like like balls flying around. <laughs> it's like it's gonna be part like you know session, part like massive dodgeball game kind of going on. So, uh, no. but you know, I think I think part of that is also just trying to think of ways to actually for me to connect. Um, so that it's not like here, I'm up here proselytizing, saying this, but more, you know, this is, and that's kind of my teaching style is more like, let's just get together and throw some ideas around, you know? Well, it's about all the time we've got for the show, but thanks for connecting with us this week. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I look forward to connecting with both of you in person someday. You will. All you right. Will. Don't worry Agree. about that. Agree. And we've got to get, you know, we got to look into some vinyl, man. Yeah, this is my veiled, my veiled way of trying to get an invitation down to Nashville. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listeners, you can connect with us and Ravi at our website, higher-ed.social. You'll get links to the stuff we talked about today and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us and lets us know what you think of the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcast. Send us a tweet. We love talking to you. And don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Vetrano and Logan Bishop and is produced by the amazing Emma Hodge. The show is part of the Connect EDU Network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. 